Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. got an encouraging message today, and we are honored that we get to share in this moment together. And today, we want to continue our series about being rooted, and we want to talk about the importance of being connected to God, but also connected to one another. In fact, Jesus says in John 15, just diving straight into the text, he says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus says that we need to be rooted in him. Amen. That he is the source of life, hope, goodness, being blessed, it's all found in Jesus. And then building off of that, he goes and gives a commandment to the disciples. He says in John 15, 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. He even rephrases that a little bit earlier in John 13. He says it like this, a new commandment I give you, Love one another as I have loved you, so you also must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And so God has designed us to love him, to be connected to him, but he's also designed us to love one another and connect to each other. Amen. Amen. And when we aren't rooted, we become rotted. Can we just say that together? When we aren't rooted, we become rotted, right? So if a vine is not connected to the source of nutrients, of food, of all the healthy things that make it grow strong and healthy, it begins to rot. And Jesus says, and so do you. If you're not connected me to me, and so do you. And so like an apple like maybe a fruit that you love, like a watermelon. Like a watermelon. We say this one specifically because back in the day when we were dating in Colorado Springs, Amritha had this ruby red Saturn, which we all drove in, because I had a three-cylinder Geo Metro. One of the cylinders didn't work, so it was two cylinders in the mountains. (laughs) Glory to God. And all the Geo Metro owners said amen. (laughs) And so we're driving in this, and we smell this horrible, horrible stench. What is going on? We go, Amritha, what is that? She goes, oh, whenever it rains, my car just smells. You know, it's a rain thing. Every car does that. We're like, no. No, it doesn't. So we, we let it slide for a couple of weeks, and the smell gets worse. Like, how bad was it? It, it was, was like it was so disgusting that, well, I'll get to how disgusting it was, but it, it was like rank. Like, no, none of my friends, including my boyfriend, would ride with me in my car anymore because it was that stinky. So we, we began to explore. She says, there's nothing to explore. It's just the rain. It's a rain thing. We're like, let us look. And against her will, we opened up the trunk. And there, in that dark, isolated, lonely, disconnected trunk, not connected to any vines, just there was a huge watermelon that had just been sitting there for more than a month. 
It was so gross. It was so gross. When Pastor Pradeepan found this watermelon, I don't know if this if you've ever had a watermelon this long. When it's not connected to anything that gives it life, it's in my dark trunk. We actually when he found it, it was oozing with white stuff. And oozing. it didn't taste good. It went <laughs> It was so gross that I actually, after we removed it, I had to get my car professionally cleaned because we could not get the odor out. I tried everything, and we just could not get it out. But to be fair, people, okay, before you judge me, I was doing this for Jesus. I had the watermelon in my car because we had a big church event, and I was just carrying all the groceries in my trunk. Awesome. For Jesus. Jewel in your crown. Thank you. Jewel in your crown. So, uh... (laughs) And so on that day, we officially decided that in our relationship, I am the clean one. Even though I don't do things like showers or use soap and shampoo, I get to be the clean one in this relationship. And all God's people said amen. No, no, nobody. That was amazing. That was amazing. You, you won their hearts. And so... Like we're establishing here, like most living things, like watermelons and even us, when we're not rooted, we become rotted. And this is so difficult. And that's why Jesus says we need to be connected to him. But not only that, when you are truly connected to Jesus, you will be connected to one another. It's a command. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. And we even see that in the scriptures, in the first book of the Bible, God says to Adam when he's alone, the first human, it is not good for man to be alone. And so we see that even before sin, the first problem of humanity was not sin, but solitude, amen? That was the first problem of humanity. It wasn't sin, but solitude. If you want to rhyme, come on, somebody. Before Adam needed salvation, he needed a relation. That's a good rhyme. Amen. Amen. (laughs) And the truth is, while we were created for connectedness, with God and with each other, if we're really honest, we are more disconnected than ever. We are facing an epidemic of loneliness. You may be sitting here this morning and you say, I am deeply lonely. I don't feel connected. And I think as we look at it, we have to understand the reasons why. And if I'm honest, I think that our culture was really already down this road before the pandemic hit. And what happened is our entire sort of like cultural and social environment begins to change. I mean, even our modern conveniences, modern conveniences that I really love. Like, I don't know if you remember sitting out on the porch when it's hot outside and that's when you would get your cool air. But now we have air conditioners. In Washington, you need an air conditioner for like two weeks out of the year. But it is hot those two weeks. But we don't have that camaraderie that we used to have. Or like, we used to grow up playing outside in our neighborhoods with the neighborhood kids. We were connected to one another just even in our day lives and now we're like there's no way I would let my kids go outside and play we are scared we're terrified because we don't know each other even the people that are in close proximity with us we were talking about this this week and um we grew up in the 90s where my 90s kids at okay and we grew up when there was a time where there was just a few channels on the tv and there was newspapers and what would happen 
happened is we just were connected to one another because we all kind of read some of the similar things and we were just, we just knew each other in a, in a new way. But now what do we have? We have subreddits. We have different discussion boards. We have echo chambers that we exist in. And I began to realize that even my neighbors, literally the ones across the fence, could literally hate me just because I believe something different from them. Because I operate in a different echo chamber than what they operate. Do you see how the world has changed? And how when we are created for connectedness, we have begin, be, been so disconnected? The former Surgeon General of the United States said this, the world is suffering from an epidemic of loneliness. If we cannot rebuild strong, authentic social connections, we will continue to splinter apart in the workplace and in society. Instead of coming together to take on the great challenges before us, we will retreat to our corners, angry, sick, and alone. We must take action now to build the connections that are the foundation of strong companies and strong communities and that ensure greater health and well-being for all of us. This is something the, the former Surgeon General of the United States said. This is something that we're seeing on, even on a governmental level is harming our society. And so four years ago, we started a church not to just have our own individual relationship with God, but that we could follow Jesus' command, that we would create a community where we can love one another as Christ has loved us, amen, that we wouldn't just be a friendly church with polite smiles, but we would truly be a church of friends, a spiritual family making known the beauty of Jesus together, amen. And so one of our main images that we borrowed when we were forming this church was the image of redwood trees. Now, redwood trees are some of the oldest and tallest trees in the world. They can grow thousands of years, hundreds of feet up. And the crazy thing about these trees is their root systems do not actually have a taproot system, meaning their roots don't go super deep. But they're able to stand taller than other trees because for every inch their roots go down, they go two inches to the side and entangle with other redwood trees. So they're able to stand tall and strong. They stand out because they stand together. And I believe that this is a picture for us as the church, that we are better together, that we will stand strong, we will stand tall, we will stand out as we stand together. I mean, Jesus says when we lift up his name, he will bring all people together. And this is the beauty of the church. This is the power of the church, especially with the world being so divided. We boldly declare that a divided world needs a united church under the banner of Jesus Christ. Can I get a good amen? And so today, we want to talk about, in a little bit more depth, the reality of how when we love one another as Christ has loved us, we can stand strong, we can stand tall, and we can stand out. The first thing we want to go into is standing strong. You know, storms of life come for the people of God and the people who are not following God. Amen? Yeah. I mean, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's a reality of life. But some of us like to prepare for storms after the storm has already come. And by the time tragedy comes in our life, it's too late to prepare. We just have to deal with it. I know we have to convince ourselves all the time, like when it's late night and our car hits E, we deceive ourselves with this. Maybe you're with me. We'll just fill up the car in the morning. <laughs> right? We'll wake up early like we always do. <laughs> and we'll go, that, 
Anybody with us? That never happened. That's a bad idea. If you have thought that or if you have someone here with you that thinks like that, repent. It won't work. You got to prepare for the tragedy before it happens. You need a support system because with the redwood trees, you know, there's storms, there are winds, and when the winds try to take down one tree, it's not just one fighting for itself, it's trying to take down a thousand trees. Their roots are enmeshed and entangled, so it can't take them all down, and so it doesn't take even one down. And this is what we need. We need healthy communal support systems if we are going to stand strong in the Lord. When we encounter tragedies, it is too late to prepare. And so would you consider creating a support system before you need it? You know, we have an amazing kids director here, Amy Carlson and her husband, Tori, and they have a 16-month-old son, Cole. And recently, he was diagnosed with something called FPIs, which is very difficult. It means he cannot eat foods without getting an allergic reaction. It has to do with his gut, and that allergy will change sometimes weekly, monthly, yearly, and so it's a moving target. They never know what is going to upset their son. And so they can't get hardly any sleep. There's a lot of irritability. There's a lot of sadness in that reality. And so in this state of tragedy and helplessness, especially as they live here in Washington, they don't have any other biological family here. And so their support system was the church. And I, I'm just so proud of our church because a number of months ago, they, they led an amazing small group. And that small group, knowing their situation, surprised them while they were out of town, went to their house, cleaned up their house, fixed their car, got them gift cards, did a lot of encouraging notes, and then said, we will babysit your kid for the next three months free of charge. And I just think, can we give it up for that? I mean, that's amazing. And I, I just think, that's the support system. That is the beauty of the church. And that's helping a couple to stand strong, to stand together. And they had this church support system before they needed it, and I believe it helped them. And I believe that the church should be a place where we can bring our pain. I love this quote. It says, our churches should be places where friends move toward pain, suffering, and hardship in love, not away from it in selfish fear. Christ never gave up on us despite all our sin. Therefore, we cannot give up on difficult people too easily or hold bitter grudges. The gospel families in our churches must commit to walk through the deep pain and sorrows of life together, to be there when things are hard and stay when things get harder. The love of Christ should control us, helping us endure even when we are sinned against, being willing to lay down our lives for the sake of others, even those who have hurt us. Amen, amen. So we need to stand strong. We were also made to stand tall. It's ironic that I am the one that is preaching the point about standing tall. You started varsity. I am wearing high, <laughs> high heels today. Come on. John 15.1 says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. 
So we have to understand that in order for trees or for plants to really grow tall and continue to be healthy, they have to be pruned. And I don't know if we've got any gardeners out here, but you understand that pruning is a painful process. Pruning literally actually means to cut off or to cleanse so that certain parts of the plant can actually grow stronger and taller. Here's another example. Can you guys help, uh, just really help us with an argument that we've been having for the last nine years of our marriage, okay? So here's another way of pruning. So I believe that in order for my hair to grow long, I have to cut off the split ends. I have to prune them because then that is how my hair is going to grow longer healthy. And I believe when you cut things, they get shorter. (laughs) Who's with me? Well, so we've been having this argument because I, babe, I want to grow out my hair. We'll stop cutting it. And I'm like, but there's, but I have to cut it because I have to cut off my split ends because here's what split ends are. Your hair, what happens is it actually splits into two. It divides and it begins to go up your hair and eventually it actually literally becomes dead hair. So if you talk to any hairdresser, they will say, it's really important that if you want to grow your hair in a healthy way, you need to cut off the split ends. And so as we're talking about this, we're realizing that we, in order to abide in God, we need to be able to grow tall together, but it's going to take us actually helping each other get rid of our sin, helping each other, encouraging one another, and having hard conversations with each other. I can abide in Christ all I love that scripture. I can abide with him. Oh, I love Jesus. I have these moments where we're just so connected. But if I am not connected to a root system, to the body of Christ that will call me out, that will tell me, hey, Amritha, you've got some things going on in your life that really seem unhealthy for you, it is going to be a huge problem. What happens is we only grow so tall. But I believe that in God's heart, he would have us reach new heights. Amen? And new heights means that we would have people who could speak into our lives. Now, you don't have to do this in a jerky way. You can be kind. You can help bring people to a place in their health with God where they can grow higher, call them out on their sin. We can do that in a loving and kind way. But we need people to help us grow taller. I want to ask you this. Do you love someone enough to truly hold them accountable? It doesn't feel like love when we want to call somebody out, but we can do it in a loving way. And if we really love them, when, which God commands us in this scripture, we will say, hey, this doesn't seem right in your life. You are hanging on to a boyfriend or a girlfriend that's bad news. You are in a situation, you are discouraged. I mean, there's been times that we've been discouraged and down, and sometimes that accountability is just saying, hey, Amritha and Pradeepin, don't forget to let go of your pain. Don't forget to let God touch it. That kind of encouragement helps us to grow taller. Nothing can be more cruel than the leniency which abandons others to their sin. Nothing can be more compassionate than the severe reprimand which calls another Christian to one's community back from the path of sin. It's a quote by Diedrich Bonhoeffer that I thought was so powerful. 
You know, I want to tell you a story. A number of years ago, um, I was working in a Christian organization, and uh, I sat beside a girl that became my friend, and we were just kind of like uh, buddies who our, our desks were right next to each other. And I started noticing that this friend started going into another man's office and just started visiting him, and they started developing a friendship. And this guy was married, and my friend was married. And I noticed that as she was going into his office and talking with him, she would shut the door. And, and so they were having these long conversations, and she was gone for like half an hour, you know, 45 minutes, and she was in this room, and the, and the door was shut. And I was like, oh, that does not really look good. I'm not really sure what's going on. And uh, then I would notice that when she would leave for the day, he would also just a couple minutes later leave for the day. And so I just started noticing these patterns, and I was like, man, I, I, I just wonder if something inappropriate is going on with these, with these two people at my, at my job. And, but I was, I was like, that is quite an accusation if I'm wrong, right? And so I convinced myself, you know what, I'm not going to say anything because they love their spouses. This is my friend. I'm not going to say anything. Well, sure enough, one day, my friend got called into our boss's office. And she came back, and she started packing up her things, and she was weeping. And just a couple minutes later, she actually left the building. And just a few minutes later, I saw that the man uh, was also called into the boss's office. And uh, my heart sank. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I think what I thought was happening might be happening. And so I texted her, and we met up later in the day. And uh, she said, Amrita, I'm having an affair. And I'm cheating on my husband. And he's out of town right now. And I just I said to her, man, you know, I, I was wondering. It sort of felt like inappropriate things were going on. But I just didn't know. And I'll never forget. She looked at me and she said, I wish you would have said something. I wish you would have. Because, you know, she knew that she was in sin. She knew that it was wrong. And had I had a conversation with her, they may not have ended up in the situation fully that they were in. I want to be a church that can hold each other accountable, that can say we can go to higher heights because we can have hard conversations, loving conversations with one of us. We can help each other cut off some of that dead stuff. We can help each other clean. We can say, Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, we are clean. But I, as your friend, I, as your pastor, I, as your small group leader, I need to help you and I need to come alongside of you so that you can grow tall and grow healthy. Amen. I want to just share this quote um, by Donald Miller says, there are pruning seasons in life and there are growing seasons. When I look back at life, I can tell the greatest growth comes right after you get a cutback. Let's be the kind of community that fights for each other in this way. I wish I would have fought for my friend and for her community. Amen. The third thing that standing together helps us to do, like the Redwoods, is to stand out. You know, people from all over the world go to see the Redwoods. In fact, this last summer, we, with our two kids, drove 14 hours one way to go see trees. <laughs> now, when I say that out loud, <laughs> it sounds kind of crazy. <laughs> but that's the reality. When we stand together, we can create something beautiful that we can't make alone. Amen? And, and, and what Jesus says, he says in John 13, by this... Everyone, everybody say everyone. everyone. Everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? Why? If you love one another. And uh, there are people all over the world seeing these redwoods. I want to show you a picture of our, our daughter sitting in some of these United Redwoods. Look at that. Isn't she cute? And uh, let's, just, let's just take a moment. 
<laughs> and uh, I, I think, though, in the, the state of our, our world, when people are in despair, discouraged, divided, don't know how to make friends, I think we as a community that says you are welcome here, you can belong here. Let's follow Jesus together. We're not perfect, but we still love you. We have people from various backgrounds, different politics, ethnicities, cultures, regions, and yet the thing that we have in common binds us together stronger than anything else, and his name is Jesus. I think that is such a beautiful statement when people are like, how did you get all these people in the same room together? And all we can say is, it's not by looking at one another we found our unity, but it's by looking at Jesus together, the true one who can hold our attention. And I love that. I love that. I love that so much. And I I'm just in awe that we get to celebrate four years of doing that as a community. We have some wild people in our church, people who have never been friends, people who have experienced Jesus in such a beautiful and intimate way. And I I just believe that our mission to make known the beauty of Jesus has made a huge difference in our region, and we're just getting started. And so we started this church four years ago together as a community to make known the beauty of Jesus, that Jesus Christ, he being fully God, fully human, lived a perfect life, set us an example, but also set us free by dying on the cross, absorbing the sin of the world, the pain of our souls, and then not just dying, but overcoming death itself by resurrecting and forging us as a new humanity, a spiritual family, the church, a temple that inhabits the spirit of God that we get to be here and celebrate Jesus together. And it's just so, so beautiful. And out of this mission, we've forged community. And I, I believe that more is to come. I want to share this quote by Michael Frost. Many Christians have the sense that church must balance an outward focus with an inward focus. In other words, they see mission as competing with community. The reality is that a commitment to mission is the soil out of which community grows. And on this mission to make known the beauty of Jesus, the Lord has truly brought us together. And as Christ has loved us, we get to love one another. And we just want to say we are so proud of all of you. We're so proud to be pastors of this community. And we believe while we've endured a lot, the best is yet to come. And that the Lord has more. We're just turning four and the Lord has more. Let's say that again. We're just turning four, and the Lord has more. Can I get a good amen? And so today, no matter what you believe or where you're at, we just want to say you are welcome here at Kalos Church to follow Jesus together with us. We have a place for you, and we want to invite you to join our community, to join the family of God, to make him your leader surrendering it all to him, being joined together as brothers and sisters in Christ under our Father. It's so beautiful, and we would love to say you are welcome here, all together at Kalos Church. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.